I think it started for me um, when I was little, when I was young, and um, I went to the Griffith Park Observatory, which is there in Southern California. And you go in there and you see this pretty good size telescope. And then you went in through another door and there was a planetarium. I think a lot of you know what the planetarium is. You sit in those seats and you look up at the, up at the, up at the sky or up at the roof and they have all the stars show up. And then somebody with a um, uh, red little pointer uh, points at the different constellations and shows you how they move across the sky. And I think it was in those very early days that um, I became uh, overwhelmed by the universe, its vastness. And the older I have um, become, the bigger the universe gets. We used to think it was, when you're young, you think it's that little solar system with the planets revolving around the sun. And then you learn that really our little solar system is just part of a, a galaxy that is um, light years across. We could never get across it. And then, the, then they put the Hubble telescope in space and the Kepler telescope and the, just recently the James Webb telescope. And we are seeing out farther and farther and farther and farther, farther. And we realized that we're not a galaxy by ourselves, but they said there's hundreds of thousands of galaxies. And the interesting thing they say about these galaxies is that they are seen to be constantly moving away from each other. They are moving out into that thing that we call uh, the universe. I mean, it, what's out there? I mean, is there, an, is there a finally an edge where all of those um, universes will bump up to the edge and not be able to go any further? Or is the universe so immense that things will always keep moving? I'm amazed uh, by the universe, what's out there. To know that billions of stars exist in the universe. And we hold too, as followers of Jesus, of believers in the triune God, and those who hold fast to his word, we believe that God created all of those things out of nothing. And of course, some of you probably have laid in bed late at night and thought, well, if God created out of nothing, what was God standing on? Right? Is that... My mind just has a hard time dealing with that stuff. But that's what we hold on to. 
It's interesting that the Old Testament people, the people that we read about here, including God's chosen people, those who we come to know as the Jews, had, had a, uh, a different cosmology. The cosmology is what we believe about the universe. When they looked at creation, they really saw a, a vault in the sky, that there was a, a sense that um, there was an end to it, that firmament that we call it. They did believe that the, that the earth was set upon pillars that cannot be moved. To say that they thought the earth was round, I don't know if they were even worried about it. They just knew that God created it and they were upon it. Their cosmology was based upon what they could see. And the farther we get, our cosmology grows because of what we can see. That the universe is not just something out there. Usually as earthlings, we kind of think that we're the center of the universe. We're not. Neither is our sun. Neither is our galaxy. It is a huge, multidimensional environment of which we are a part. You know, in Job, I, I, I want to just spend the time um, over the next few weeks leading up to Resurrection Sunday, looking at this idea that um, creation, God's creation, has a voice. It speaks to us. Take, for instance, Job chapter 38. Job, um, this kind of sets almost a courtroom scene. Job has been in the, in the docket. He's been in the witness booth. And his friends have kind of acted like defense attorneys, interrogating him, but kind of being on his side. And he spills out all of these thoughts and these confusions and his confusions with God and how he's kind of at the center of things. And after that is all done and he spews forth all this, the um, prosecuting eternity, a, a, attorney comes forward. He, our Lord, comes before him and I can just picture Job in that witness box. And he says in chapter 38, and then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is that, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Staring right at Job. Dressed for action like a man. God says, Stand up, Job. You want to you go face to face? I'm ready. 
I've heard enough of you, Job. I want you to listen. Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I'm going to test you, Job. Since you know so much, you tell me. Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely, surely you know. Who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That last verse, how poetic. When all the morning stars sang together. Listen to this. It's written by a gal by the name of Elizabeth Landau. And she is part of NASA's exoplanet exploration program. Looks good on the door. Exoplanet. She writes this about the heavens. We can't hear it with our ears but the stars in the sky are performing a concert, one that never stops. The biggest stars make the lowest, deepest sounds like tubas and double basses. The small stars have a high-pitched voices like celestial flutes. And these virtuosos don't just play one note at a time. Our own sun has thousands of different sound waves bouncing around inside it at any given moment. Understanding these stellar harmonies represents a revolution in astronomy. By listening for stellar sound waves with our telescopes, scientists can figure out what stars are made of and how old they are and how big they are and how they contribute to uh, our Milky Way galaxy as a whole. The technique is called astroseismology, just like earthquakes or Earth's seismic waves they, that tell us about the inside of the Earth, stellar waves resulting in vibrations or starquakes reveal the inner workings of the stars. You see, when God spoke to Job and recorded there in, the in 38.7, he wasn't just using poetic language. He was stating a fact the stars sing. There is a voice that goes out from them. You know, we sometimes poo-poo science. It's not good. It's contrary to Scripture. Well, once again, Scripture proves itself true. And science has helped us. People are hearing the stars sing.
Heaven has a voice. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Just look at the stars. They are placed there not by some big bang, but by God's chosen design. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose their voice is not heard, but yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And in them he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. It is rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. Now we would say that their cosmology is a little different. We, we know today that the sun doesn't rise and set good friend of mine, brother in Christ, who was in my youth group, used to say, isn't it a beautiful early, earthly, um, excuse me, isn't it a beautiful early morning earth roll? You know, it's the earth that's rolling. The sun is pretty stationary. But they saw the sun move. They, they looked at what they knew. And they declared that whether the sun is stationary or whether it moves, it all points to God's glory. They declared the reality. Creation declares the reality of a creator. We look at the stars on a clear night and we are drawn in wonder to this one who has created. We stand in awe. We are lost in the vastness of space. But yet, this is not enough. We can know that there's a creator, but we only know so much. Thankfully, the psalmist goes on and he reminds us that Though our, the creation gives us a limited picture of the greatness of God, we also find that there is a creator God who wants to live in relationship with us. God has spoken to us. He has spoken to us uh, through uh, the prophets who recorded his word. Verse 7, Psalm 19, And the law of the Yahweh is perfect, Reviving the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean and enduring forever. The rules of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? 
Declare me innocent from the hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. God spoke through his prophets. God speaks in his word so that we not only know that he created all things, but we also know that he is speaking to us. And not only has he spoken through creation, not only has he spoken to us in his word, he has spoken to us in person, in Jesus. The Gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, the word referring to Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Down to verse 14, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, John writes. We have seen the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Creation has a voice, and it speaks. The stars sing out. They are placed there by God's will, by his creativity, in order to draw us to him. But God didn't let that be the only voice. He has spoken in person to us and in Jesus. He has spoken through his written word as he gave to the prophets and they recorded. So, what is our response? Given that creation shouts forth the glory of God, given that his word shows us his love and his power and his glory, given that Jesus was sent to die in our behalf so that we could enter into that interpersonal relationship with the Almighty God and our sins can be atoned for, our punishment taken. What's our response? First of all, our response is to receive this creator, this one Jesus. Back in Gospel of John in the first chapter, looking at the 11th verse, he says of Jesus, John writes, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Those who were following, who knew the Messiah was coming, knew that God was sending uh, the king of all kings, 
And Jesus says, I am here. And those people that were longing didn't recognize him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, to all who did recognize him, to all who surrendered their life to him, who believed in his name, that name the scriptures tell us is above every name, to those he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The scriptures tell us that God chose you, the one who set the universe in motion, chose you, loves you, came to earth in the second person of the Trinity and in Jesus and died for you that you could enter into eternal relationship with him. That's how much he loves you. The universe was created to show the glory of God. The universe was for us to see God in his glory. Jesus came for us, for you and me. We need to receive him Second, we need to declare him. The end of Psalm 19, the psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. May the words that come out of my mouth declare you. May I join with the stars. May even the the meditations of my heart, the things that roll around in my mind, may they bring you glory. I will declare you from the inside out. I will open my mouth and declare you. We need to receive him, we need to declare him, and then lastly, we need to join with heaven and earth and praise him. Psalm 148. And I'll close with this. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise you in the highest heavens, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise Yahweh from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. 
mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and the heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise Yahweh. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.